electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, the NVIDIA question ahead of its latest and arguably most critical earnings report. The stock is down more than 50% from its highs, but up an astounding 40% over the past month alone. So what is at stake for both tech and the chips? We debate that with the investment committee. Joining me for the hour today, Liz Young, Kerry Firestone, Joe Terranova, and Jim Labenthal. Everybody's at the table, and it's good to have everybody. Let's check the markets, as we always do. 12 noon in the east. Got that resistance still, 4,000 on the S&P. We're a little below that. We're down a half percent there. Dow is a fractional uh, winner today, up 40 points. There's the Nasdaq. It's a bigger loser today, down one and a quarter percent, 372 10-year note yield. All right, Joe. I mean, NVIDIA is so emblematic of tech lately and for the year. I I read those stats. It's down 53 percent from the high and crazy up 44 percent over the past month alone. You sold it a couple weeks ago. I did. Before this earnings report was going to come out. What were you concerned about? Beta. Concerned that I was accepting too much risk on an industry where I'm not sure, is PC, is mobile at the trough? Are we going to see further weakness for data center, for industrial? Those answers we're going to identify tonight. Now, look, you've had positive reaction so far from Texas Instruments. They told you how bad things were. The stock rallied in that environment. Semis have kind of shook off, even to a certain extent, universally, the bad guidance and the bad news from Intel and Qualcomm. You would agree with that, right, Jimmy? I would, Joe. Okay, so I think you look at NVIDIA and you say, this is the bellwether, Scott, right? Here's the bellwether. It's going to come out tonight. It's going to tell us that sales are going to be down 15 to 20%. It's going to tell us that they're probably not going to see double-digit revenue growth until 2024. The valuation is, what, up towards 39, 40, somewhere around there. So it's still high. The macro environment is declining. But with all of that considered, is there enough resiliency right now in this stock? Has enough negative news been priced in that it will be able to shake it off? I think that's the reaction is the most critical thing for the entire semi-industry. You got the Micron overhang today, too. You do. Right down 5.5% on that outlook. You sold it, too, Farmer Jim. You sold a little bit further back than Joe did back in the summer. It was always uncomfortable for me, uh, Scott. Yeah, and you know that, right? This sort of multiple in general is uncomfortable for me, and particularly in what is generally a cyclical industry. Granted, NVIDIA has been able to buck a lot of the cyclical trends, but everything, Joe, that you just said is exactly right. All right, We should expect nothing from the earnings and nothing from the guidance. But the response is entirely tied to the sector, to the semiconductor sector. We know that the semiconductor sector has had a very torrid rally the last few weeks. It's been very enjoyable. doesn't matter whether it's NVIDIA or Qualcomm. You know, you pick your poison. Uh, It's pausing today. I don't think that this is in response to anything going on with any one particular company. I think this is just a pause in what has otherwise been a torrid rally. Now, for that rally to continue, what you really want to hear from NVIDIA or anyone else is the feeling that, yes, we're in a slowdown, but it's very temporary in nature. As an analog, Qualcomm, when they reported a couple of weeks ago, said, hey, we've got two quarters ahead of us of an inventory correction. Now, 
the market may or may not have believed that, but that's what they're saying. If NVIDIA backs that up, the whole sector, and NVIDIA's got a heck of a beta to the whole sector, which is, I think, the point you're making, yep. then the whole sector can rally. So it really comes down to, do they say temporary slowdown or, whoa, folks, we got something bigger I was on the surprised horizon. you bought the stock in the first place to your original point yeah, that you yeah. were alluding to because yeah. of the valuation in and of itself the day you bought it, which we looked up uh, at my behest. It was 66 <laughs> times when you bought it, yeah, right? Yeah. That's not something you normally do. It, yeah, it was 46 when you sold it. Yeah. So, you know, Scott, look, I am a value investor. You know that, right? And uh, But I'm not 100% value. I do tend to have around 10 to 15% of my portfolio in some of the growthier names. That includes right now, for instance, Salesforce. NVIDIA was in there. I made the joke. It was a little tongue-in-cheek. Maybe I shouldn't have been that now I could sit at the cool, t- uh, cool kids table. <laughs> I guess yes, they all got can. up at the cafeteria and I was left there by myself. <laughs> but look, um, you know, I tried it. It didn't work out. I'm very comfortable with Qualcomm, NXPI, very reasonably Priced. In fact, more than growth at a reasonable price, their value stocks. So what I want to know, really, um, Carrie, if we extend it beyond NVIDIA, and we'll get to the chip angle in a second, but for tech overall, yeah. for what was once one of the heavyweights, one of the ones you always talked about in the same vein as you did with the mega caps, because that valuation had, um, I mean, the market cap had, had crept up a lot. Yes. And it was so loved on so many corners of the street. Right. right. Every corner on the street loved NVIDIA. So now what for tech? What is riding on this now when tech has rallied a lot in a week, but it's still down a lot and people are questioning the viability of that trade? So first, I'd like to tell you that we put together a chart that is right in this sweet spot. It's stocks that were down 50 percent or more from their 52 week high. They've had this enormous snapback. So it's 22% versus 9% for all stocks over $5 billion. And that's because the market has been so concerned and so risk-off and so jittery that once we got a slight, a slight piece of news that was positive, just back to the races. Now we're in this quandary where we heard a piece of bad news today on the earnings side from Target, and we have to struggle between is it earnings or is it inflation? So when we have good news on inflation, the market goes higher, bad news on earnings, which actually was pretty negative on inflation, you know, because more people not spending money is better for inflation. But the market doesn't like that. So NVIDIA has to recognize they're in that tough mental uh, sort of fight that investors have if they do not put up something that's going to be seen as positive and consensus estimates come down, this stock is going to get hit hard. Jimmy just said, I mean, interesting words I want you to react to, Carrie. Expect nothing from the guidance. I think that investors always expect. And I think if they don't if they see something that is disappointing and those numbers start to come down, you're going to have a multiple effect. I'm I'm asking this honestly. Crypto, that's been a major growth factor for them. But I mean, it's it's data center, it's gaming. It's it's the more relevant things to the bigger picture about where the crux of this. No, I know. But it's more important to hear from them on gaming and data center. But if you do get nothing from the guidance. You're, you're going to get nothing from this trade. The numbers have then, come down already, stock, though, significantly. I understand that, but they could come down more. Okay. I mean, numbers have come down in the third quarter on so many companies that had already suggested that their business was not very strong. And the multiple effect on how stocks responded has been much greater, double the reaction than so, over the past so four years. So maybe we get a little read on what's happening in China, which Stacey Raskon, number one analyst, is going to be, by the way, with us in overtime tonight as the numbers hit. Maybe the headwinds won't be as bad. You got... 
you know, interest rate trajectory to to consider, which, by the way, before we came on the air a few minutes before Goldman added another rate hike to their forecast map in May after Mary Daly was with Leesman this morning um, saying pause, not even in the conversation, not even in the conversation. And she sees peak rates to five and a quarter. That's negative for tech overall, isn't it? It is. And so let's start with just tech overall. Where does the sector go for the next, let's say, 30 to 90 days? I am not a tech bull here. I know that there are a lot of people out there saying the market cannot get out of its own way without tech coming back to life and being a leader. I disagree. I think the market can actually do okay without tech as the big leader. And in this environment, in an environment especially when we continue to get layoff announcements and we know that tech is going to be pressured not only by economic forces, but by margin forces. And we will not be surprised if we hear guidance for 2023 come down for a lot of those companies. I'm still not a tech bull here. If we go into semis as an industry group, semis, as we know, has sort of taken the place of transports as the cyclical indicator, particularly in technology, which is important to note because tech is such a big part of our economy. I would be a buyer of semis if and when the labor market finally breaks and the economy starts to look like it's nearing that bad point. The labor market so far in the data has not broken, but you want to see that last piece of stress really come through. It's starting to break, absolutely. But once it starts to spread out beyond tech and starts to actually affect the data, like the unemployment rate, we need to see initial jobless claims tick up. That's Mm -hmm. when I would be buying semis. I think that we see a leg down here before we see a leg. I mean, I'll tell you what, forget about the semi rally, if this is bad, right? I mean, and, and I mean a rally, okay? The SMH is up 27% in a month over the past one month. Now, again, it's 31% off of its 52-week high, but these stocks have have done a lot. Best week since October of 01, best month since July, big picture, worst year since 08. And the street is trying to decide whether we have bottomed or not. Big question on that answer tonight, too. Christina Partsinevelis is at the NASDAQ following the story of Wall Street trying to get more bullish. Christina? Yeah, well, it's, it, it's, it's time for investors to buy some chip stocks. That's according to Credit Suisse's note today. And then you had Bernstein say NVIDIA is close to a bottom. Piper says AMD is going through a bottoming process. And, you, Scott, you just mentioned the SMH stocks. They're both over 20% higher in just the past month alone, prompting many analysts on Wall Street right now to turn bullish. But the big question is, is that call too premature? Just today, Micron announced production cuts by 20% in Q4, along with fur- further CapEx cuts. Micron is even predicting that DRAM, so that's the dynamic memory chips, growth will be negative in 2023. And then recently, AMD posted the slowest pace of sales growth since 2020 and disappointing sales guidance for for its December quarter. The stock is down over 4% today, but you've got UBS, Baird, Piper are all bullish, placing emphasis on its new processor chips. And then you have NVIDIA, which you guys are talking about out, out after the bell. Many bullish calls says its data center revenue, which represents roughly 57% of total quarterly revenue, will offset the fickle gaming and crypto mining segments, and that the company should get a boost in Chinese revenue after offering its Chinese customers a U.S.-approved weaker artificial intelligence chip, which, Scott, you just brought up. But the selling price of those chips are lower. So what does that mean for margins? Or... Perhaps overall, the results will be just like the latest CPI report. Revenue down just a little, but still cause for celebration. 
Christina, thank you. That's Christina Parsonevels at, at the NASDAQ for us with sort of a checkup of where Wall Street's at. Um, AMD, 31% over the past month. NXP, 22%. Your Texas Instruments up 18. Intel's up 15. And by the way, Credit Suisse, Joe, goes bullish across the space. Qualcomm initiated outperform 150 price target. Um, they got 210, by the way, and outperform on NVIDIA. AMD outperform, Micron outperform, Skyworks outperform, Corvo, Marvell, NXP, Texas Instruments, Intel, uh, all on their list. NXP neutral, Texas neutral, and uh, Intel neutral as well. All right, let's tell the other side of the story for the viewers and let them decide what they think they should do here. Analyst community is negative. The analyst community is marking down estimates. The analyst community besides the note that we just read saying that there's a bottom, the analyst community kind of looks at the space and says, okay, not yet. What about the institutional activity in the 13 Fs? Warren Buffett was five billion stake in Taiwan Semi. Other hedge funds stepping out, taking positions in names. Yeah, I mean, like is, that a bet on, is that a bet on chips broadly? No, it's a bet on Taiwan Semi. Well, it's, it goes beyond Warren Buffett's bet. There are other hedge funds that are going out. They're taking small positions in, in, in NVIDIA. So I think that... Looking at the semi-industry, I think it's idiosyncratic at this point. I really think, and I think Adam Park has done a heck of a job with you on overtime talking about this. It's finding opportunities in individual stocks. Jimmy, you mentioned the beta on NVIDIA. I just wasn't comfortable with it. It's 2.23. I'd rather be in in Texas Instruments. It's 1.06. Microchip, 1.56. KLA Corp, that's another name that I think you could own here much lower. Uh, to a certain extent, Broadcom is another name. So I think you have to look at these specific companies and say, okay, where exactly can we mine for an individual opportunity in a sector that's seen significant deterioration universally? You got Qualcomm and NXP, Jimmy. So Qualcomm was one of those with the outperform, yep. 150. NXP was one with the neutral, 195. They're on the sidelines, they say, until visibility improves. Yeah, so there's a lot in what you just said. There's a lot in what you two just talked about. Uh, because, and, and honestly, Liz said this. This is a cyclical industry, so it's a question of where are we in the cycle. When I read the note uh, on Qualcomm, what I heard them say is, hey, you know, it's the most exposed to cell phones, which we know is in the dump right now. Uh, it, but it's a question of when does it come back? They see it coming back sooner. And I think well, Apple's uh, not in the dump. Well, wait, but, you know, you said something a second ago that really caught my, my ear when you said, well, you did know, it, Warren did Buffett. Did it enrage you like you were enraged last week? It, it, got, it piqued my interest. Okay. It piqued my interest, okay? That's why I'm nervous sitting over I here. Know. I know. I, apparently I've cast a poll Slide on Slide the, the electric desk. fence over <laughs> the other day. No, when you said uh, that uh, Warren Buffett made a bet on Taiwan Semi, maybe it's, maybe it's just Taiwan Semi, maybe it's the space, but here's the notable part. He's been sitting on cash for a long time. He's been sitting on a lot of cash. For a long time and he started to deploy it and i think that's the question whether it's nvidia qualcomm or the semiconductor space is do you believe yeah i'm going here that we're going to have a soft landing or a crash landing you know where i stand on it right um i think the strength of this economy what you're seeing with inflation that the odds of the soft landing are increasing and i think that's why some people when they're diving into this space that you can't dive into this space if you think there's a brutal recession next okay. year you just can't do it okay in a few minutes that we have left in our first segment let's talk retail, right? Because obviously one of the bigger stories in the market today is carry Target. Um, Matt, I mean, after Walmart, you start to feel okay, you know, better. feel better. Yeah. And then Target yeah. drops a bomb today uh, and the stock is horrible. It's, you know, it's, it's down uh, almost 12%. 
it's the worst day since May. And remember, they've done this to you a couple of times. Not that you right. not that you necessarily oh, yeah. um, have a position in the stock, yeah. but it's a reality check where we are on some parts of retail where inventories are bloated yeah. and um, it's going to take a long time to work it out. Well, it, it was fascinating because there was a lot of optimism about Target. The stock was up, I think, about 25 percent in the last week and a half. So they've given back half. Uh, and what you heard is that their consumers, who are higher end than Walmart, are more concerned about the price of the products they're buying. And uh, again, as I mentioned, this is the struggle between inflation and earnings. Over time, stocks follow earnings. We know that. But over this past year, it's really been about inflation. When inflation prints have been high, the market has really collapsed. And investors have been so excited recently when there have been two pieces of news that were positive about inflation coming down. What Target said is that consumers aren't buying as much. They don't like the prices. We have a lot of inventory. We have to get rid of it at lower prices, all of which is disinflationary. The market hated that. The market wants earnings again. So all retailers are going to face this challenge over the next few months. And you've seen well, that. Well, not necessarily with- all, right? Walmart's still up. Walmart, okay. Lowe's. Costco, Correct. good. Costco, yeah. um, you just bought Walmart. I was going to wonder, okay, after I heard Target, I'm like, well, maybe he bought Walmart too early. But no, Walmart and Target are very seemingly specific stories for each. Price conscious consumer, I agree with that. The management of inventory is so critical here. And how are these companies doing that? Now, Walmart clearly taking inventories from 26% down to 12%. They're managing the inventory well. So I, I don't know that there's this universal contagion that we're all expecting in retail, Home Depot, Lowe's, both Decent. doing well. Yeah. Dollar General is a place that I've been for quite some time in the Joe T strategy, been hiding out there as you see the trade down unfolding. Yeah, so, I, don't see, I, don't, I don't see you wanting to go into apparel retail. No. Look at those names today, <laughs> right? Kohl's, Gap, Macy's. Such a close horse. All these <laughs> earnings are coming, too. Well, those are right? things you these want. stocks not are selling you... off big right into the numbers. Right, but you're, you're, you're not going towards the retailers where the consumer is expressing themselves in the form of, these are products that I want. It's, these are products I need in that environment. And Walmart, whether it's, you know, grocery or Lowe's, Home Depot, Dollar General, that's where the delivery of the necessities is unfolding. How do you see retail, Liz? So right now, I think that there's a lot of conflicting forces in the story. And you hear from companies like Target versus Walmart. You hear things today like the retail sales data was actually pretty good today, but it's backward looking. As we get through what's now the holiday season, If you look back in time, back to 1990 and pick the market out into industry groups, there are 24 industry groups, retail actually does pretty well consistently in November. So retail stocks we can expect if the history repeats itself should do well in November. That shouldn't be a surprise. I don't think that it's hit sentiment too badly yet. But in December, they fall to the bottom of the pack. And then you have things like consumer services rise up to the top. I think what we're seeing right now in retail is that you've got, and Joe mentioned this sort of, you've got staples versus discretionary. So you've got the items that people have to buy, they don't have a choice, and they're looking to save money on it. So they're going to shift their purchases to a different place where they can save money, and those discretionary items are what's going to hurt. As we get into December, I would expect there to be a slowdown in spending, particularly in discretionary items. And I don't think that retail is going to look great by the end of the year. But I think it still looks great 
in November because of sort of this pent up excitement about a holiday season? So we, we start with growth, right? We have this conversation about tech and then we move to semis and then we go to more, you know, cyclical areas or value areas. And that's where I want to end. And I want to go to you, um, Jim, because Wolf Research has an interesting note about the industrials. Value, I think, more broadly, too, um, the idea that it feels a bit frothy. Um, these stocks have done quite well. You can still be positive on the economy. That doesn't mean that these stocks just continue to go up, up, up and away. And at some point you have to assess as to whether it's time to take some profits, which they suggest uh, it is uh, now internally and externally overbought at resistance, they suggest. That may be in the short term. Um, you know, there's a healthy debate going on. It's not just Wolf that's saying this. There's other people who are saying, don't get carried away in the value trade. There are other people who, like me, are looking forward past the short term and saying, look, once we get past this, whatever is happening with the Fed, whatever the effect of that's going to be, there is infrastructure spending that was approved last year that really comes home to roost in terms of spending this coming year, 2023. You've heard me talk about supply chain onshoring. It's big. It's hundreds of billions of dollars that's going on. And that, frankly, is why industrials have outperformed so well over the past few months. Now, could they pause, to Wolf's point, Scott? Of course they could. And, and maybe they probably should. But in the long run, this is where you've got lower multiples than growth and the potential, based on what I'm saying, for higher earnings growth rate. That's why, that's uh, why I they, believe it's the they, place to be. Have they bounced? Sorry to step on you yeah, there. Yeah, have they bounced in anticipation of infrastructure spending, or have they bounced just along with everything else in what has been a bear market bounce? Yeah. It could be all of the above. So. could be all of the above. So, for instance, to your point, like, are financials performing on the perception that maybe the Fed is closer to being end, uh, done with rate hikes and maybe the yield curve will steepen? Yeah, that's something that's a little bit more short-term. The industrials that I mentioned, that feels like that's got more long-term oomph to it. Energy, I, I think, I think most, of us, most of us would agree there's a secular problem here that's going to go on for quite some time in terms of a supply-demand imbalance. So I, for all of these reasons, I really see a fundamental reason for the value trade to continue. I don't even shaking your head. A little no, bit. I, I don't even know if we call it the value trade. I don't like calling it the cyclical trade. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't agree with that. Because I'll take value. I think, but, well, let's call it what it is. I think it's the defensive trade. Yeah. I think it's that all of this these sectors represent a defensive element in the market that communication services, Industrials or consumer discretionary, yeah. def the defense names, world. aerospace and defense, without question, well, they're yeah. defensive in their nature. But, the, but that you can't here. just throw them out. I understand. Do I want airlines? No, I don't no, want No, but I'm airlines. thinking of is like Caterpillar. Is that a defensive name? No, it's well, not. This it's is not. The debate I, we've had is, on the desk. I, I, I think at times it is. I think at times it is. I think that the Caterpillar? market is. Yeah, I think that if you look at the performance of Caterpillar, it, it might be, but it trades the way Coke, Procter & Gamble, and Pepsi. If but you let, look let's, at, not, let's not get bogged down on one individual stock. Point, I, too, I just think it's overall, we're making the mistake of looking at this and saying, okay, it's economic, it's cyclicals. It's, no, it's not. It's just because they're defensive. And that's what the market wants right now. All right. Still ahead. We have our calls of the day. The downgrades in both home improvement and health care. We're going to debate that next. We're back in just two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. 
If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, we got a pause going on today, as you see. We're red right across the board. Let's talk Home Depot. Uh, one of our calls of the day. Carrie, I go to you. It's Raymond James. They downgraded today to market perform from outperform price target um, was 350 um, previously. Risk reward entering 2023 balanced. Ongoing risks headwinds to the housing industry and shares recovering nicely off of 2022 20, uh, lows. So stocks recovered. Yeah. And now you got uncertain heading into new, the new year. Yeah. Fair call? We like it. Uh, I think Home Depot is one of the companies. You like the stock. You don't like the call. Yeah, correct. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> correct. Like the stock, right. not the call. All right. Yeah. I mean, this is a stock that has suffered. It's not as if it's had a great year. I mean, it was down more than the market and it's been recovering recently. 13 percent in a month, like a correct. lot of other things. Yeah, exactly. And we heard from Lowe's today uh, that had a good quarter. Same sort of sales were decent at Home Depot. I mean, not phenomenal in the four plus range. Uh, their inventory control seems to be working. Home improvement is not going away because the housing market is soft. Interest rates, of course, affect all kinds of loans, mostly mortgages. People uh, still invest in their homes, and 90% of Home Depot's business is renovations, improvement, not new construction. Marvin Ellison told you that today on the exactly. network, didn't he? Yeah. Lowe's I, I CEO? I told him that. No, no, yes, he did. He said it was a great quarter, and he gave all the reasons why it would continue to the be The reasons strong you just suggested. Exactly. So we continue to like Home Depot. All right. Um, Jimmy, you own it, too. I do. What do you think I, of this call? Uh, I don't agree with it, but I understand it. Because yesterday what happened is the third quarter results beat and they kept their guidance for the full year intact. So that inherently is a guide down for the fourth quarter. The analyst is looking at that. He's looking at it 18 times multiple. He doesn't want to get out on a ledge here and say anything about the housing market turning. So it's a little bit to me more of a housekeeping call. I can't disagree with it in the short term. But in the long run, you know, this is a st- first off, the results were terrific. So it shows that even as mortgage rates are at 7 percent, maybe we're not buying new homes, but we're all re- renovating our existing homes. And that's likely to continue as we go forward. I'm not I'm not going to sell with the positive operating results that I see from Home Depot. Friday, October 28th, it was added to Joe T on the close. You questioned it yes. the following Monday. I, re- I remember you doing so and you were right at the time yeah. to do it. He's um, trying to give you a fist bump. I, I know yeah. he is. I'm, I'm, I'm no. concerned. I'll do it as I'm talking, though. <laughs> and, um, can the, you can't talk and fist bump at the same time. It's really that hard. <laughs> I don't want him that's, to get enraged. I'm worried that's about that. that. I'm very that worried. hard to do that? I'm, I'm sensitive the entire touchy. show to him becoming I really enraged. like Home Depot. You gave me a big problem. Give a fist bump. You can't do that? <laughs> All right. We're good. Go ahead. So I, I think the, the, the analyst community and the suspicion that they have and the disbelief surrounding what Jimmy's identifying with these earnings being better than expected. Okay, I like that. I like that negativity. I like the sentiment remaining negative overall. I said this yesterday on Overtime with you. Right now, look for stocks that have double bottoms. 
I, I, a lot of people don't believe in technical formations, but this stuff works. Yeah. If you've got a bottom in June and then you test it, that bottom again in the September, October timeframe, and it holds, that's a stock that gives you a great point of reference. You want to buy it. 264 low in Home Depot in June, 265 low more recently in the fall. Why wouldn't you be long exactly. against that yeah, exactly. in a stock that trades at 19 times earnings okay. and has the sales growth and is proving to be resilient? All right, you got me. I got you. Um, Deutsche Bank downgraded Medtronic. You got that one. Yeah, I, I don't love to hold from buy 85 from uh, 121 is the target. stock's been just it's been lackluster. It's been it's it's at the bottom of the list of stocks that I own. I'm, I'm trying to uh, find enthusiasm for it. But the thesis just continues to fail to play out. The thesis, the main thesis is post pandemic, there was supposed to be elective surgery that was on hold that would come through here. And it just hasn't been coming hasn't through. Happened. So, um, look, it's it's honestly at the bottom of the list of stocks that I own. I'm not selling it today. Is it at the top of the list of the ones you're thinking of selling? Yes, though? it is. Wow. Because I mean, I mean you, I, look, it, I, you know, I'm not selling it today, but I'm being pretty clear about how I feel about this. It hasn't stock. participated I'm, I'm, at all in the rally. Yeah. And, you know, three months, six months, year to date, no good. One year, no good. Yeah, I, I mean, let me be clear. <laughs> let me start here. I wouldn't buy it today. I mean, I, I'm trying to talk to the viewers here. Okay. Be very specific. I wouldn't buy it. Uh, I'm looking for the exit. Okay. Uh, so are we. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, coming up, unloved <laughs> stocks that are showing positive signals in this market. We do have a list. We're going to reveal that. We'll debate those names next. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Halftime. I'm Bertha Coombs. Here's our CNBC News update at this hour. Polish officials and the head of NATO both saying that a missile strike in Polish farmland did not appear to be intentional. They also believe the blast that killed two people was probably launched by air defenses in Ukraine. If Russia had deliberately targeted Poland, it could have risked drawing NATO into the conflict. The average number of COVID hospitalizations and deaths continue to fall. This comes as the emergence of new Omicron subvariants can evade vaccination and immunity from previous infections. Experts say this could be the sign of a new phase of the pandemic where fewer and fewer people who contract COVID are sick enough to be hospitalized. And the Senate is expected to hold a key vote Wednesday on a bill to codify federal protections for same-sex marriage. The vote would determine whether to proceed to the bill, which would set the measure up for possible passage. Democrats are aiming to pass the legislation before the start of the new Congress in January, when Republicans are expected to take back control of the House by a narrow margin. Scott, back over here. All right, Bertha, thank you. That's Bertha Coombs. All right, we're back on the Halftime Report. Wolf Research is out with a new list we wanted to show you today. They call unloved stocks with favorable signals. Those signals being, listen up, 40% or less of ratings are buy, and the last 12 months underperformance. At least two of the following. A CEO change, high incremental free cash flow return on equity, accelerating EPS growth, low short interest. So you got to have two of those plus the 40% or less of ratings are buy, plus last 12-month underperformance. Jimmy, Kinder Morgan is on this list, yeah. and it's on your list. 
so Kinder Morgan, here's the thing. Everybody looks at it as an energy stock. That's right. And they say, why isn't it doing as well as the rest of the energy sector? It's doing well, by the way. But the thing is, it gets looked at as a utility stock. If this were measured against the utility index, it'd be through the roof. Here's the real point I want to make. This is a yield plus growth call. And over the years, this thing tracks not only the XLE, when you include the dividend, but also the S&P 500, like over five years. Now, uh, in terms of what's going on right now with the incremental free cash flow, they're making a lot of money from transporting natural gas through pipelines, whether it's for domestic use or export overseas. That's likely to continue. That 6% dividend yield is likely to increase meaningfully in the next six months. Um, They're buying back shares. So if it's undervalued and they're buying back shares, I like all of that. All right, Joey. Um, all in the Joe T, One Oak, Tyson Foods, and Old Dominion meet the criteria that we read at the top. This, this is great because this is exactly what we do in, ter- in understanding uh, the, 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 the metrics surrounding a balance sheet and quality. So let's first take uh, Tyson Foods, okay? That's a consumer staple. We own 10 consumer staple names. The only consumer staple name that's doing worse than Tyson Foods is Church and Dwight. Now, why is it performing so poorly? Because there are other names that we own, like Hormel, like Cisco, that are giving you double-digit revenue growth. In the case of Tyson, you're getting single-digit revenue growth. In the case of Church and Dwight, it's basically flat in an environment where consumer staples are outperforming. So without question, it's under, underperforming. It's disappointing. Uh, I, owning it, Joti, I'm not going to say to the viewers, don't own it, don't own it, don't own it. I will tell you that we'll deal with it at the next quarterly rebalance at one way or the other. As far as energy, real quick, One Oak, again, it's a name that's underperforming relative to the other natural gas names. One Oak up 16% year to date. You could turn your attention more towards an EOG. Uh, That's a name that is giving you more of a positive performance in the natural gas space. And then one other name would be Old Dominion, industrial name. That's the one name that I think you can go out and buy. You're seeing a good recovery there. Trades at 26 times. The sales growth mm-hmm. is there. I like that name. See, some of these names, I mean, yes, they meet the criteria, Carrie, but they're going to be hard to to maybe hit the button to, to buy them. I mean, look, Pinterest is down 50 percent right. from, from its from its high. Um, at least it's changed over the over the last year. Social media stocks, we're talking about advertising, et cetera. Gap is on this list after what we just talked about with Target. Interesting timing there. Yeah. Um, Intel. Yeah. If you look at, you know, chip stocks that have you know, underperformed over a a decent period of time. There's some airlines. Anything on this list pique your interest? Well, not really. We have many stocks that have gone down um, way more than the market this year, and we like those names. So if I were to look at a list that includes high cash flow and combination of stock is underperformed and maybe there's something that's turning positively, uh, S&P Global is the sort of name, it, uh, as an example. Or, I mean, Home Depot was. You, you can even, I know we're going to talk about 3M that. is on this list. Right. Yeah. Carnival Corp, Under Armour, DocuSign. Well, I mean, DocuSign is a, huh. a stock that people thought was going away. Uh, I, I think the word was that they're going to cease to exist in the, the next year or two. And if you think that's not the case, then maybe take a flyer. But I think anyone needs to be careful that if you just bought a lot of one, any one of these stocks, you're really putting a lot of eggs in a basket. And that's pretty high risk. OK, uh, we take a quick break. We come back. We talk about Meta's mega losses mounting. I mean, you know, the stock's down over 60 percent this year. You do have bullish calls coming from the street. Now we have new reporting as well about why Meta is going to keep spending despite losing money on the metaverse. We're back. All right, welcome back. Meta shares are falling today, pacing for their worst year ever. 
Despite last week's job cut announcement, the company is still planning to spend big on its metaverse bet. Our Steve Kovac joins us now with more on that. I mean, I'm not surprised. Obviously, they're going to spend. The question, I think, for many is, are they going to spend as much as they thought they were before? Yeah, and it, it, exactly, Scott. And so I interviewed uh, VP of Reality Labs, Ash Javeri, at our Tech Executive Council event yesterday. And I asked him that. What, how, why is it so expensive? What are you spending this money on? And his thesis, I guess you could say, matches Mark Zuckerberg's, of course, which is we're building a brand new computing platform. That is not cheap to do. We think we're fundamentally going to change the way people interact online, use online uh, services and so forth, and create this new version, this new 3D version of the internet. So just bear with us, it's gonna get better. Meanwhile, look, they did lay off those 11, 10 or 11,000 people. A lot of those people were from the traditional Facebook uh, businesses, mm -hmm. not necessarily, and HR and things like that, not necessarily in this Reality Labs division, which by the way, lost $3.6 billion just in that one quarter alone and expected to lose even more uh, going into next year until they get through this current product pipeline and, and spend their way through that. So they, they, they may very well do what they say they're going to do. They may, in fact, change the world through this new right. computing platform. The question I have for you, Kerry, though, the problem with that, Steve just said they're going to spend and they're going to spend a lot. And it's very expensive. And in the current environment, are you, given what the stock has done, do you have the patience that Steve says they're almost demanding that people have? By the way, that patience, 10 years or more. Yeah. N not that patient. So, <laughs> but that's what it, no, but, so, but that's what it is. When I, when I heard the interview, I thought to myself, I really did. He's got to say that. He's got to say, we are so committed to this. This can be 10 years. This can be so many billions of dollars. Does he? You guys have no idea. But didn't they say that before? And that's part of the problem. Well, they now people want them to say something different. Correct. But they have said things that are different because you get to a point where sort of the elastic snaps and Zuckerberg says, no, I, I made a mistake or I wasn't ever going to fire anybody. But I guess I'm going to fire 11,000 people now. And we're taking more and more space everywhere in the world. And suddenly they're giving up space left and right and including in Boston. And you see it over again with tech companies committed to a spend. And then suddenly they get religion on the cop side. And nobody likes when their stock options become worth less and less and less. So I, I hear what you're saying. I just think that it may not play out that way. And if you have Twitter losing uh, their audience and TikTok perhaps being banned. There are things that are positive about this, even though we have the negative on the side you're talking about. In other Steve. words, I mean, we, we remember, you know, the most recent altimeter letter, right, from Brad Gerstner, which we told you all about on this show. And it was about getting um, fitter and more focused. And it extended beyond just the rank and file, right, of, you know, cutting the workforce to uh, what he thought was a more appropriate level for, for the environment that we're in. But the spending on the metaverse, their investors are highly critical of it. Are they listening or not? It doesn't sound like they're listening, in the, at least in the near term, Scott, because what they are, they're going to increase spending again. So it's going to be well over $10 billion in losses for this division this year. It was $10 billion last year. And they haven't really predicted what it's going to be next year, but it's going to be more than it is this year. So there's no sign. Now, Zuckerberg did say in the earnings call, then it's going to kind of even out and, and slow down after that. But no, they're, they're not listening. They did lay off. But again, not maybe where the alternator folks would have preferred. Well, it's just more broad than just exactly. a move from, from the, uh, the, the But they will the say, they do point, and, and Javeri did point this out to me yesterday, too. 
they always point back to the core business, right? Ads are doing, you know, we're still strong there. We're still printing money on, the, on our digital ads business. They're really putting a lot of effort into WhatsApp. You might have seen the recent commercials about WhatsApp. They think that could be a business communications platform, a new revenue stream. They haven't really adequately monetized WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. So they do like to point back to the core business, where the money comes from, and say things are going relatively well there versus all the money we're losing in Reality Labs. Okay, we're trying to move off the lows uh, here. Thank you. That's Steve Kovac uh, covering that for us today. Up next, Mike Santoli is with us for his midday word. Halftime is back after this. All right, we're back. Senior Markets commentator Mike Santoli, as you see, from the Stock Exchange for his midday word. A uh, bit of a pause. Daily was pretty hawkish with Leesman, and then we look ahead to NVIDIA and its importance. What, what do you think about all of that as, as the framing today? You know, with uh, continued Fed speak in the same direction, yes, pretty much hawkish, yet reiteration of what we've already had out there on the table. But the market seemingly at the moment able to keep that type of danger at bay. Of course, it comes on a day when you had the pretty good uh, aggregate retail sales numbers that, you know, the data refused to cooperate with the idea of some kind of inevitable slide into a recession, even if a lot of the leading indicators do still point in that direction. So the market struggles with the lags. Uh, in terms of NVIDIA, obviously all the semis came very aggressively off their lows. We talked about that yesterday and obviously a little bit vulnerable to this Micron news. But I think one of the features of this market the last several weeks you really can't avoid is that individual blowups have not taken the entire market down, at least not now. Maybe there'll be some critical mass uh, of bad news that'll do it or Fed uh, hawkish speak. It's not happening just yet. Maybe, you know, look, NVIDIA is up 40 percent in a month. That's yeah. a staggering move at a questionable time for that for the business and for tech at large. Absolutely. Uh, I think you do have to scale all of these moves when it comes to one of these rebounds uh, based on where it came from before. Right. So if the market, if the stock gets cut in half uh, and goes up 40 percent, it shows you it was at that price. It's at right now, not very long ago on the way down. So it doesn't really forgive anything or tell you whether it's overdone or not. But I think that's the market we're in. And NVIDIA is basically traded right with Tesla. It shows you just the amount of kind of high velocity uh, money that's been in a couple of those names from the from the highs down to the lows. See you in a few. That's Mike Santoli, right. Stock Exchange. We'll see him for his last word a little bit later in overtime. We'll talk Cisco next. They report as well in overtime. The shares are up 10 percent the last month. Farmer Jim owns it. We'll get his thoughts on that stock ahead of the print next. Jimmy, there it is. Um, NVIDIA is getting all the oxygen today for obvious reasons, but Cisco, Chuck Robbins and company going to deliver after the bell. What are they going to deliver is the question. I think they're going to deliver good results and good guidance. And it's not just because I own it. You heard me lambaste Medtronic uh, just a minute ago, so you know I'm, I'm honest about these things. Um, obviously, there was a downgrade today, or somebody, I think it was Credit Suisse, came out and was pretty lackluster on the stock. I put that up against J.P. Morgan that sees a beat and raise. Ultimately, this is about enterprise spending, which I, when you talk about companies that spend on Cisco systems, they're not talking about spending for one quarter. They're talking about spending for multi-years. And I don't hear anybody saying, hey, even if the next six months are slow, we're going to interrupt our plans to expand our businesses over the next coming years. So I, I think you've got a good setup here. It's a steady stock. I want to say something that's a little bit provocative. Uh oh. Maybe you'll think it's outlandish, oh but, I, but I don't think so. You know, don't I just, enrage me. Thanks for the warning. I might enrage you, um, but all of you. But, you know, look, maybe Cisco is m more important than we think. Maybe it is, because I looked at the market caps just to do an acid test here. NVIDIA is about uh, $400 billion in market cap. This is um, 183 
This is 183, right? And remember, this was once like one of the biggest the companies biggest. in the world. I mean, Carrie knows we were talking about. This <laughs> yeah. was the biggest holding in her portfolio yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, I just think it's more important than maybe we think. I know NVIDIA is more important, but Cisco doesn't get the attention it should. I'm just wondering, you know, China issues have been an issue. I think that Chuck Robbins cited the last time um, that they reported Wondering where that is. Enterprise, by and large, we've heard from companies has been pretty decent. Yeah, actually, you just I'm sorry, I missed this and you nailed it. So the other half of this is supply chain issues that they've been having for several quarters. So that's really what you want to see some unclogging of, which is is possible and even likely to happen with what we've been hearing from other companies. All right. We'll step away. Come right back with final trades next. We told you what's coming in overtime. NVIDIA earnings, they are critical for the tech space, for semis. Maybe for your portfolio, too. Cisco as well, as we just mentioned. Don't miss that. Josh Brown will be with us uh, off the top today to, to look at all of that, react to it in real time. Chris Toomey, Morgan Stanley Private Wealth, on what he thinks uh, about the market here, where he thinks we're going as well. Let's do some final trades. Liz Young, what you got? Food and beverages headed into the holiday season. This is something that I think people will not sacrifice. And as inflation comes down, the input costs come down. And I think that these companies can do pretty well. Okay. Thank you for that. Carrie. Uh, AMT, American Tower. The stock was really pummeled as the Fed raised rates as fast and as hard as they did. And they, of course, have to borrow to build more towers. But the demand is there. Interest rates may have peaked. They have price increases built in. They're global. And we think the stock can go much higher. All right. Joey T. On semiconductor, trades at about 15 times earnings. Ooh, he's going semi ahead nice, of the print. Nice, <laughs> nice earnings report. Gutsy Exposure move. to EV. Okay, and uh, Pharma Jim, what do you got? Yeah, so I already talked about it, but Cisco Systems. I mean, for a very attractive valuation, by the way, good dividend yield, steady eddy. So even if I get blown out on the earnings, don't think I will. This is something I'm very comfortable okay holding to, for the long term. Are, you're okay to recommend people to buy? Uh, that's, that's what I'm saying. To yep. buy it now ahead of the earnings. Yep. And let me be very clear about Three this. Hours. If the earnings go south for one quarter, yeah. enterprise spending goes on for years. Okay. Just you stick with this. This isn't something like Netflix. You're going to be da- I'm sorry to pick on Netflix. You're down, you know, 30 <laughs> percent a right. quarter. I'm not picking on Netflix. Okay. You Good get stuff. the point. Thanks. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern only on CNBC. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.